What's up, everyone? Welcome back to a new week of Locked On Bucks. And this week we're starting with a loss. The Bucks went down to those pesky Raptors who continue to give Milwaukee some trouble so far this season anyway. The Raptors swept the season series, so we'll touch on that a little bit. We'll look ahead to a Hawks game and an Atlanta team that hasn't been able to win at home at all. This is set up as a dangerous trap for the Milwaukee Bucks tomorrow, but we'll get to that. Uh, LeBron James is apologizing, and Kevin Durant is injured. The Bulls also had some struggles over the weekend, so we'll touch on all that as we get started for Locked On Bucks this week. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Daily and also find my work over at ESPN. And joining me uh, live from an NFL watch party for the Bucks Radio Network, it's Justin Garcia. Look at him in the makeshift studio if you're watching on YouTube. <laughs> this is the commitment that you need to be on Locked On Bucks. That's why we love Justin. Uh, of course, we thank you all for also being committed and listening to Locked On Bucks and making it your first listen of every day. We did get over the 2K plateau on YouTube for subscribers, so we appreciate it, everyone that's been listening to me complain about that and try and try and get you guys to do that but listen you're missing out on a lot on youtube if you're not on there so we appreciate it and we get started as the bucks justin went down to the raptors again so they've uh, is that the end of the season series i believe it is yeah right? the raptors so they get swept yeah so the raptors have swept the season series we know over the years the raptors been a nemesis of the bucks for multiple reasons this year it's a different look raptors team but they're very, very unique with the size they can bring to the floor. And this was without acknowledging that there was no Scotty Barnes yesterday. There was no Gary Trent Jr. yesterday. But they can still just throw different looks at the Bucks. And so far, Milwaukee hasn't been able to figure it out. No, and it was funny, too, uh, before the game here and Nick Nurse talk about the spot that they're in because, you know, Bucks fans obviously know these games that the Bucks have had for a majority of this season. We've talked about, oh, you haven't had this guy or this guy. And for the Raptors, it's not very different that you know, before the game, Nurse was talking about, I think it's only like four games where they've really had everyone out there on the floor. And the interesting spot there in uh, last night, too, was he had said, you know, Pascal Siakam is basically our backup point guard and Scotty Barnes is our third string point guard. So to be down him and uh, and down Gary Trent, I mean, these were two teams that were pretty thin in some areas, but the Raptors they're just a pesky team. We know how good of a coach Nick nurse is. And, you know, it, it was great how well they played early without drew. And, you know, we talked about Giannis's playmaking throughout the season, but the game against the Raptors and games like that are where it really stood out of, okay, this is what we're missing when we don't have drew holiday, because the Raptors can start to do things like build up a wall. And with the ball in Giannis's hands as far away from the basket as he was initiating the offense, you can set those things up when Giannis is more the role man and not playing with the ball as much, you can get him the ball closer to the basket. And that felt like the, the big problem the Bucks offense ran into in the last three quarters of the game. Cause those numbers plummeted to, I think 22% on threes and 25% from the field in the second through fourth quarter. 
Yeah, I think Frank made the point on a podcast uh, last week that while the Bucks have had relative success with the mostly Giannis and Chris Milton doing a lot of the ball handling and other guys sort of filter in there, uh, teams like Toronto, who are very, very physical, and we'll get to some of that a little bit later, but they won't be shy about pressuring Chris Milton bringing the ball up the floor or Giannis bringing the ball up the floor. And it's not so much, I, I don't want to, I mean, the Raptors are on a back-to-back, so it's not an excuse to the Bucks, but it is a different look. And as you pointed out, I think it is the type of game where you really do miss a, a Drew Holiday on both sides of the floor as well. But Pascal Siakam, we've mentioned him. He's a guy that I think has become probably underrated because he skyrocketed to prominence so quickly mm-hmm. that all of a sudden as his play went down, people said, well, this guy's you know fringe all-star. But you know he's had a pretty good season this year. And the Raptors, who, as we've mentioned at times, have had lineups where I don't know anyone that's on the floor still find themselves right in the playoff mix now. And they will be a annoying opponent for anyone that they come up against. But Giannis was 17 for 17 from the free throw line. So it's a weird box score to look at because he finishes with 30 points, but he was only six for 17 from the field. But he uh, obviously got those points at the free throw line. Uh, the Bucks overall, I already mentioned the physicality, but the Bucks overall, 35 free throws after this game. I've been jumping on the post-game press conferences for a number of seasons now, and certainly since Bud has been in charge. I don't think I've ever heard him say something to the effect that he did last night where he was basically like, yeah, we had 35 free throws. Yeah, Giannis had 17, but it should have been a hell of a lot more. Yeah. Yeah. uh, I mean, he even said like 15, 10 to 15 more. And um, Giannis basically said the same thing as well where to your point this is kind of the most we've heard them openly gripe about the free throws not just free throws anything officiating wise in general as we have in the uh, now four years under bud um i think we should also point out and you know i i think the difficulty is there weren't any things that that stood out more than the others as glaring omissions and how did these not get called but i think it's just Giannis and and we saw this with Shaq those guys are difficult to officiate because you take for granted a lot of the physicality and how physical they play you don't make a lot of those calls that you just assume well a lot of that contact was coming from him I think where Giannis gets shorted a lot and this is really a league-wide problem is is on the charges that we need to stop incentivizing people from taking charge it's not safe for the game and, and for some of your star players but that seems to be where Giannis really catches a lot of them. I did uh, point out after the game last night, it was the second time in his career he went perfect from the free throw line with 17 free throw attempts. I did not realize until our, our friend Jim Paskey pointed it out, those are the highest in Bucks history, the most free throws without a make. Both times Giannis did it, 17 for 17 this year, and I think two years ago is when he did it. But those are Bucks franchise records for most free throws without a miss. There's two teams in the league that I think really don't give a shit about playing as physical as possible when it comes to Giannis because they do understand. They understand that for Giannis to get to the free throw line 17 times is obviously a huge number, but they're not actually going to send him to the line for 30 free throws. It's not going to happen. So there is a level of physicality you can get away with. And Toronto is one team that doesn't care. They're willing to go there. The other team that's willing to go there that... I don't think you even need to say who it is. Yes, exactly right. Coincidentally, (laughs) another team that Giannis has had some struggles with over the years, the Miami Heat. And by the way, a point guard that they have 
Kyle Lowry spent a lot of time playing under Nick Nurse and in that Raptors system that gave Giannis some troubles as well. So sometimes I wonder why uh, other teams don't do this more often. Clearly, it would be a pretty brutal game to watch. I didn't think that yesterday's game was entertaining by any stretch, and it's not just because the Bucks lost. It was just a, it, it was an ugly game of basketball uh, for me, anyway, as as a viewer. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it it was a very slow game that it started off fast, where the pace for the game was, I think, at one hundred eight in the opening quarter, and it finished around ninety two, which is right where the Raptors want to play it. Both offenses, I mean, the, the Raptors worked for much better shots in the second half. But, you know, in that second quarter especially, it was pretty ugly for both teams. For the Bucs, the offense was ugly all night. And that was kind of the, the other fear that you had of they've had some pretty good shooting nights recently. So then you say, okay, pretty soon that's going to start to even out again where we saw early in the season when you, you think about, man, how many triple doubles could Giannis have? A lot of times he is setting his guys up, but the shots weren't falling. And, and last night we got to see some more of that. But uh, Toronto and Miami are just two teams that are best equipped to play like this because they have the personnel, and especially the Raptors now, although they didn't have all of them last night, but guys like Scotty Barnes and uh, and Pascal Siakam certainly has had struggles against Giannis, but he still is one of those bodies that you can play that style and you can throw long athletic bodies in the paint and say, okay, we know you're not going to stop Giannis. Just, just slow him down and put him at the free throw line. And obviously the Heat have a lot of players capable of doing that as well. So there's a lot to say, look, the Bucks did not play very well last night. And the disappointing part is what you pointed to, that you still didn't have Drew Holiday, but you had everybody else basically. And you're playing at home and you're playing a Raptors team that is coming in on night two of a back-to-back. And, and also we got to point out, Night two of a back-to-back for the Raptors. They essentially played six guys in this game that Yuta Watanabe started and I think only played five minutes. I forget who the eighth guy was that played, but he only played seven minutes in the game. So they basically went six deep where all of their guys were near 40 minutes. And they finished with three of those players with five fouls. So if this went to overtime, you would have been even more disappointed if the Bucs somehow lost that game. So credit to the Raptors for what they were able to do on night two, but it it just made it one of the more disappointing performances for the Bucs this season. I agree. It's a bad loss. To put this one, we've been talking a lot about good wins. Have the Bucs had good wins? They've had a couple, but they haven't had uh, a lot of opportunities to do so. But this, for me, definitely goes into bad loss category fortunately we get to move on we're going to look at some more big picture stuff and by the way Svi Mihailuk was the other guy that played for the Raptors which is kind of interesting because he's one of the smaller players that they have or at least a guard Mm -hmm. the two guys that came off the bench Chris Boucher and Champagne as well who are are bigger guys I mean the Raptors are just a very very Champagne Justin Champagne it's it's, yeah it's quite a name so do you, you just wanted to say Justin or Champagne? Champagne. <laughs> no, no. Champagne. The name I can I can uh, I can commiserate with you. The name tripped me up quite a bit as well until I had to ask the first game. I was, I was I'm going to butcher this, and then had to finally ask the Raptors, "How do I say this?" So Champagne. Well, it's fine. I was bragging about um, <laughs> different longer names the other day with our friend from Lockdown Warriors, so I deserve that. But now let's talk about Shopify. We're going to get to some big picture stuff here in a little bit, but we'll talk about Shopify, which gives entrepreneurs the resources once reserved for big business. So upstarts, startups, and established businesses alike can sell everywhere, synchronize online and in-person sales and effortlessly stay informed. Scaling your business is a journey of endless possibility. And you can do that with uh, Shopify because believe me, this podcast 
uh, didn't get great sponsors like Shopify and others uh, when we first started, but we've been able to build it over the years and Shopify has certainly helped with that. So uh, Shopify powers millions of businesses from first sale to full scale, reach customers online and across social networks with an ever-growing suite of channel integrations and apps, including Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Pinterest, and more. Make sure you get on TikTok if you want to see Justin. More than a store, Shopify grows with you. This is Possibility Powered by Shopify. Go to shopify.com slash LockedOnNBA, uh, all lowercase there, for a free 14-day trial and get full access to Shopify's entire suite of features. Grow your business with Shopify today. Go to shopify.com slash LockedOnNBA right now. That's shopify.com slash LockedOnNBA. So we've been doing this a little bit of late, Justin, and it's kind of just looking at the rest of the East and the rest of the NBA. It's difficult in, right in the middle of the grind of the regular season when you're trying to figure out what do all these results mean. Um, we already mentioned it yesterday. It was obviously a stinker for the Bucks, But I think in general, with all the absences we've had with the players out, the standings are, are hard to keep track of. But as Frank keeps pointing to, you do still want to pick up enough wins to keep yourself in the top couple of seeds there because it could get pretty messy uh, if you keep dropping some of these games. So the Bucks right now, 27 and 18, they're in the fourth seed. They're only half a game ahead of Philadelphia and Cleveland, though, uh, which is taking you down to the sixth seed and you're in the play-in bracket. So I don't think it's going to get to that. But uh, nonetheless, it's starting to get pretty congested. The big news of the day, Kevin Durant, yesterday... Uh, went down with a knee injury and it looks like he's going to miss potentially up to two months. It could be around the six-week mark. We'll see uh, how long he misses. But given the fact that Kyrie Irving isn't playing in the home games as it currently stands, given the fact that Harden's performance has been better of late but been up and down, and we've seen James Harden solo on this Nets team a couple of times and it hasn't gone too well, uh, this is a big blow for the Nets, and I would have to imagine they would be at least a little bit concerned that there's going to be a bit of a slide here in the standings, uh, unless you know James Harden can really carry this team. Yeah, and I think in the case of the the Nets, the Bulls, the Bucks, and the Heat, unless the 76ers are able to land the white whale and, and pull something off with Ben Simmons before the deadline here, I don't think any of those four teams, even with injuries, are in danger of dropping out of the top four. Uh, with Brooklyn, I mean, this may ultimately be something that's somewhat helpful to them down the road as well, that James Harden and Kevin Durant have been logging really heavy minutes two years in a row, and now this is potentially two months that you would think they're going to be extra cautious with him so that at least takes some of those minutes off. Uh, but yeah, when it's just been James Harden, they've struggled because Blake Griffin hasn't given you the production he did a year ago. Patty Mills has been good in some games, absent in others. And they're role players that that gave them big performances last year. They just haven't gotten the same this year. But uh, I, I agree that games like last night and the loss of the Raptors, those are the frustrating ones because you have that opportunity. And especially it was, I believe, the third time this year where the Bucs lost a very, very winnable game. And on the same night, basically the rest of the Eastern Conference lost as well. So it's glass half full or glass half empty where at least we don't lose any ground. But you also had a chance where you should have won this game and could have gained even more ground. Um, again, I, I don't think the Bucks are in danger of falling below fourth in the East. But you still would like to be at least second or third if for no other reason than that second round matchup. I mean, you don't want to be on the road for every single series or most of them and, and not have home court advantage. So 
that second round matchup, you'd like to have home court if it's against the Bulls or the Nets or the Heat. So seeding is also this whole picture with the Eastern Conference. We're not going to really have a good idea until we get to March and April when you see, okay, who's going to win the Eastern Conference? Because, you know, not to slight the Bulls, but if Chicago's the one seed, maybe the four seed looks a whole lot better now all of a sudden. The whole Nets thing with Kyrie Irving, if he if his situation remains the same, he can't play in home games. So maybe Brooklyn wants to drop a seed down rather than be the two seed versus the three seed. So it's still going to be very fluid. But now with this schedule, too, that's in front of the Bulls, they've lost three in a row. They have, I think, the, the Grizzlies, the Cavs, and then the Bucks this week. So there's a chance to gain some more ground there. Miami's getting healthier. You hope you're getting healthier. Uh, that this is another one of those opportunities Frank talked about. You don't want to let those slip away where other teams start to deal with injuries and you have soft patches of your schedule in front of you because it gets to be brutal in March where I think nine of 14 of their games are on the road. And most of those are against really good teams like the Nets, like the Bulls, the Sixers. I think the Grizzlies are on there as well. And, you know, the last thing I'd point out is I think the most discouraging part for the Bucks is, well, and I don't even know if it's discouraging, but I think it's it's become pretty clear that they get up for big games and against the Warriors, they were up for that game. They were up even though shorthanded against the Brooklyn Nets. They were up for the Nets on ring night. The big games and the, the big opponents they get up for and they play well against. Really bad teams, they dominate. It's those teams in the middle that would be in the play-in tournament, uh, the 12 or so teams in each conference that I looked through last night. The Bucs are 6-12 and 12 this season in games played against those teams that are 6 through 12 in their respective conference. So those teams with the middling teams that, you know, not going to win a first round series might not even make the playoffs. Those have been the games that have really given the bucks fits this year. So heading out West, we just had a tweet come through that I found very amusing. LeBron James tweeted Laker nation. I apologize. And I promise we'll be better. First of all, I didn't think LeBron James is the one that needs to be apologizing. The Lakers are 21 and 22 right now. They well, are hang on. In... He, you could argue he built this roster, so maybe he should apologize. Okay, I take it all back. You're right. LeBron, you should be apologizing. And why did it take so long to apologize? You should have been doing this month ago. The Lakers are 21 and 22. They are in the playing tournament as it currently stands if the season ended today. They have been atrocious. But LeBron is playing 37 minutes per game. That's fourth in the league right now. And to your point earlier, if we uh, go back to the Nets as well, the crazy thing about it is that uh, Kevin Durant is fifth, 36.5 minutes per game. James Harden is second in minutes, 36.8 for all the concerns about conditioning for him. But to the Lakers, I I don't know what's going to happen. And this is going to be really, really fascinating in a lead up to the trade deadline here. But I do anticipate sometimes I I think that the trade deadline is going to be pretty quiet. And I understand it's going to be difficult to make some of these moves. But I think there's going to be some action because I think the Warriors are obviously, uh, sorry, the Lakers are obviously going to be stressing. I think the Warriors, I mentioned it uh, yesterday, but with Jonathan Kaminga and Steve Kerr comparing him to Giannis, comparing him to Sean Marion, I feel like they're setting themselves up to trade him because they want to get in another player and go for it this year in the postseason. I might be wrong, but I actually do think there's going to be trades and I think we are going to see some movement. Uh, I don't know, but this Lakers stuff is, is, let's be honest, we're all enjoying it. And LeBron, by the way, before the season was tweeting, uh, keep the same energy throughout the season when we're playing. Okay, well, everyone's doing it, and now you're apologizing. So it's 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 all comedy. I um I, I'm with you where I've I've basically done a 180 on the deadline because you know, even 
two weeks ago, you looked at it and you said, well, especially with the play-in tournament, you have fewer teams that are going to become sellers. And, and the deadline is earlier, too, where I think it's February 10th. So you have fewer teams that by the time you get to February 10th, they're going to say, we're not even in the race anymore. But now all of a sudden, it, it feels like that has kind of started to sort itself out. The Damian Lillard surgery, I don't think that rules him out of being dealt. And if anything, it means Portland is probably going to start, start to drop a little more in the standings. And maybe they become... Uh, a team that waves the white flag and says, okay, not just Dame, but everybody here, we're starting to be open for business. Atlanta has been very disappointing. We saw the Cam Reddish move, but you feel like there's another move, at least one more on the horizon for the Hawks. The Pacers at this point, for most of the season, they've been in limbo where they're basically just as close to the play-in tournament as they are having the worst record in basketball, that that team seems like they're ripe to make a move. So you're seeing more and more teams that are starting to lean towards that team has to be a seller, right? So uh, I'm with you that I, I think we're going to see a decent amount of trades, and especially with the Lakers, that as that team's constructed, it's a disaster. The roster is. And, you know, we can say Anthony Davis is out, but Anthony Davis returning doesn't change everything for that team. That I just I saw the other day the, the stat that Russell Westbrook has more turnovers than jump shots this season. So, um there's still more that needs to be done even when AD comes back and it's easy to say, well, what can they do? But we've seen LeBron basically retool a roster on the fly at the trade deadline before. So I can't rule anything out there. And also Denver is another interesting one. I know we've mentioned most of the Western conference teams, but it seems like most of the East is settled. The only question is the Pacers and Hawks, do they go into rebuild? And then the Sixers, what do they do with uh, Ben Simmons? But the, the Nuggets are interesting because if they can get guys back, that all of a sudden Michael Porter Jr. sounds like he's not out for the year. And if Jamal Murray can come back, I mean, that's another team that seems like they would be one that says, okay, we're in for adding more pieces. If we have those two guys with Nikola Jokic, we feel like we're as good as anyone in the Western Conference. So in the matter of two weeks, I went from thinking this could be pretty dull to, yeah, we might see a decent amount of moves. I think it ultimately is going to come down to whether or not teams are sucked into the belief that this championship is as open as what it certainly feels like it is. So they may say, okay, this is the year to take a risk. Or they may say, okay, this is just insane this season. We can't predict anything that's that's not uh, throw our, all our chips into the table. So we'll see. But I don't like the way the Lakers roster has been built. But speaking of built, I do love the way built bars are built. And it's a new year. And that means there's New Year's resolutions. And if yours is about getting fit or eating healthier, then Built Bar should be on your plan. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar, uh, better than a candy bar, in my opinion. Built Bar makes it easier to stick to that resolution you made because it tastes so good. You'll just want to eat it all the time, uh, as opposed to some other dietary things you might try that uh, you can't be bothered doing. Let's be real. So if you want to eat healthy, but uh, you don't want it to be boring, Go with Built Bar. There's plenty of different flavors that you can mix into the rotation there, uh, which is going to be de delicious. As you know, I'm a fan of coconut, coconut almond. Potentially, you want to go down that path. But there's plenty there. Just go to Built.com. Use the promo code LOCK15 and you'll get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. And then jump across to betonline.ag. Uh, also, a, a new betting year. And the playoffs are run right now. I already mentioned that. I believe the Chiefs and the Steelers are playing right now. Uh, you know, you can make up your own mind who's going to win this game. But it's the Packers and the 49ers next week. We do know that. And Bet Online remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action in 2022. It is a new year and there's a new updated desktop and mobile website. Uh, so sign up today. 
Receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use the promo code Locked On to get started, whether it's football, basketball, hockey, boxing, UFC, casino games, whatever. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. That's Bet Online where the game starts. Justin, you mentioned the Hawks there just before we went to a break as a strange team that, you know, I, I think it's safe to say that they have plenty of talent on the roster, but they did strike you last year as a team that heavily, heavily overachieved. Now, yeah. they, they got a bit of luck through that, and that's totally fine. But they're 17 and 25 this season. The Bucks have got the Hawks coming up today, probably as you're listening to this. Atlanta haven't won a game at home. Is this streak still going, Justin? It's still going. They haven't still won going. a game at home November 22. Is that accurate? Yeah, just before Thanksgiving was the last home win. Which I can't, I mean, I can't even remember what I was doing with my life uh, back when <laughs> Atlanta won a home game. The the bad news with it is the the pessimistic fans in all of us. Yes. You look at something like that and you think, great. So what you're telling me is they're due for a home win, yes. and that's going to come against the Bucks. But no, they're. Um, I can't figure this team out that look last year we were all very impressed with what Trey young was able to do in the playoffs. Cause I think we all kind of had some skepticism over what is he going to be able to do once you get to the playoffs and the game is played and officiated differently, but it didn't impact Trey young. He played extremely well. You got big performances in the conference finals from Cam Reddish, who, Oh, by the way, isn't on the team anymore. And Aneka Kong will really impress me in that, uh, series before going down to injury as well. So you felt like they got a lot of nice building pieces for this team that, you know, I'm not putting them on the Bucks level or the Nets level, but who knows? They could be a team that's in the top four for the next few years in the conference. And I think our pal Seth Partnow pointed it out too, like, hey, somebody's going to remind Atlanta, like you start the season at zero and zero, right? Because that's a trap that we've seen a lot of teams fall victim to it. And that appears to be what's happening with the Hawks so far this season that you just can't figure out uh, is this a hangover effect from last year? I mean, if we're being fair, you got to say they did play very well in the playoffs, but also the 76ers were not a one seed last year. So they were benefited by that. The Knicks were not that good last year, not the seed that they were. So they were benefited by that as well. So you did catch a little bit of luck there. They beat the Bucks handily in game one of that series, but then Giannis goes down and you take that game. So they did have some luck on their side, but they do have some talent. But this is one of the more disappointing performances we've seen in recent memory. I mean, it, it's, it kind of reminds you at times of what we saw in 2002 with the Bucks, where they go on that conference finals run. They make the trade to bring in Anthony Mason, and that just kind of blew everything up for them finishing 500 on the season. Right now, 500 seems like best case scenario for the Hawks. Eight games down. I mean, it's a fair mountain to climb back there. We're only halfway through the season, which is crazy to think. There's still so much basketball to be played. They can easily go on a run. In fact, they went on a run in the second half of the season last year. Maybe they need to change coach again. That seemed to work for them uh, last year. But you spoke about Seth Part now, and he, I know he's been tweeting about it the last couple of days. You spoke about the letdown factor in general, but you go back to earlier in the season. And one of the things that was crazy to me was just when Trey Young said that, ah, the regular season is a bit boring now. And it's like, Dude, <laughs> you made one playoff run and you lost. Like, how is the regular season boring to you? Uh, they have also, 
I think it's a five game losing streak that they have. The the home losing streak is double figures. It was against the Oklahoma City Thunder was the last home game they won. And that was in the midst of a seven game win streak. So if you take that stretch out in the beginning of the year, basically the seven game win streak, take that out of the mix. They're 10 and 25 this season. Well, look, we could talk about this streak all the time, but we spent the front half of the podcast with our concerns about the Bucks. So I think you're right. I think you hit the nail on the head when you said that I don't think anyone's going to be feeling too confident going into this game in Atlanta. And you definitely have some sense that this is where it's going to go wrong and the Hawks will snap that losing streak and maybe their run will start by beating the Bucks because it does feel like it's been one of those regular seasons so far for Milwaukee. Just quickly on the injuries, no Drew Holiday, as you already mentioned. Don't know about him. Uh, it doesn't seem like he's going to be returning in the very near future. We'll see. That ankle was still bothering him. Obviously, Brooke Lopez is out. Thanks to Galloway's in the health and safety protocols. As far as Atlanta, no Bogdanovich, who, by the way, Bogdanovich hasn't had, I think he hit a few shots in one of the games last year in the regular yeah. season. But outside of that, he hasn't had much luck in revenge. It's, I don't even know if it qualifies as a revenge game, but maybe uh, he hasn't had as much luck traumatizing Bucks fans for uh, the trade that never went down. Again, it worked out pretty well for the Bucks, I would have to say. Um, but Bogdanovich is out and also Clint Capella out, uh, which we know a guy like Clint Capella can prove problematic against this Bucks team. No, Brooke Lopez, Trey Young, we know can be damaging. So a couple of key outs for the Hawks as well. Yeah, and I think it is worth pointing out that maybe this is is what the Bucks needed because the first time these two teams faced, um, that started the Hawks' seven-game win streak that I just mentioned. And after that loss, it started the Bucks' eight-game win streak. So both teams went on an upward trajectory after uh, that that meeting in Atlanta earlier this year. Um, but yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting to see both teams. And, and it, it's gotten to the point where it's not even worth pointing out both teams are banged up because every team is dealing with it. I know the Hawks have gone through it all throughout the season. The Bucks have. The Bulls are going through it now. The Nets that we talked about. But it's gotten to the point where it's every single team. So it's not even worth pointing out. They didn't have this player or this player because no. we've seen the way this season has gone. You just anticipate – there's going to be no teams. If you do find a team that is fully healthy on any given night, count your blessings because that is going to be few and far between. So I was just trying to look this up. So it's MLK Day. This is an early start, by the way, so keep that in mind. It's a 5 p.m. tip. Is this – it's telling me on my app, but again, this is Australia. It's on ESPN in Australia. Is this TNT? Or what are we, what are we dealing it's, with? it's TNT, yeah, because I think it's a triple header that TNT does on MLK Day. Okay. Well – it's always a good day on the basketball calendar anyway. And I, I'm a fan. Day basketball is always great. So if you if you do have the day off and, and whatever you're doing, you can sit down and watch the Bucks 5 p.m. tip. Don't forget about that. Also, don't forget about Locked On Bets with your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. They'll have you covered for everything you need there. Uh, Justin, you want to catch the end of this game? Who's winning? What's the score? Can you see it? I, I don't know. I'm in a different room here, but uh, thankfully I have friends that are in the radio industry that I was able to do this from their place and have a microphone and everything here. I know. You said you went home and then I see this <laughs> microphone. I was like, you're just carrying this shit around. Is this how much you love Locked on Bucks? Uh, it is the Chiefs 14-7. to 7. Not that mm. anyone needs the score update right now as they're listening to the podcast. But anyway, Bucks and Hawks tomorrow. Like I said, 5 p.m. Hopefully the Bucs can get back on track. We'll be rolling through the week. I'll be back post-game, uh, so make sure you check out that podcast. Thanks for subscribing and listening, whether it's on the audio platform or YouTube. We really appreciate it. Justin and myself will catch you guys tomorrow.